Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Revelation. The New Testament book of Revelation, Revelation in chapter number 1. Revelation in chapter number 1. We are on the downhill slide of this series of the Millennial Kingdom. The Millennial Kingdom, of course, is the thousand-year reign of Christ. And with the emphasis that we're placing on the Millennial Kingdom is what we do on this earth now will affect us for a thousand years. And once again, some people have the idea that I'm saved, I've been born again, I've been forgiven of my sins, that I'm going to go and enjoy life everlasting. And praise the Lord, heaven is going to be a wonderful place. But before we get to heaven, proper eternity future, we have a pit stop called the thousand year reign of Christ. And the thousand year reign of Christ is going to be on this same earth that God is going to restore to Garden of Eden conditions. And there's going to be some things that are different, but some things will work the same. And that what we do on this earth while we're alive here and now will affect us for a thousand years. And we explained on Sunday morning that there are some people who are going to be faithful to the Lord and God is going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou have been faithful in little Thou, thou shall be ruler of many. And we have the idea that what we do now will affect who we rule. And remember, there was that one wicked, slothful servant we spoke about on Sunday morning. He was wicked because he let people die and go to hell. He was slothful. That means he was lazy. He did nothing. Absolutely nothing. And God called him wicked because he did nothing. He was called wicked. And for a thousand years... That wicked man, the Bible says, is set aside in the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's still in the millennial kingdom. But God says, I couldn't trust you, so get over there. You did nothing on this earth now. Can't trust you to do anything over there. Get over there for a thousand years. And the weeping and gnashing of teeth is the idea that there's going to be a lot of regret for a thousand years. Can you imagine? I should have done something for the Lord. I should have done something for a thousand years. God says, Jesus, putting you aside. I should have done more. I should have done something. Then we talked about on Sunday night that even our redeemed bodies, that when we die and um, the rapture occurs, that we get our brand new bodies and that brand new redeemed body even works differently and that it glows, it shines According to our faithfulness of turning right uh, those that were headed to darkness and turning them to righteousness. They were headed to a wicked way and they turn because we were used. And that there are some people who are going to glow and shine brightly. And then there are some that aren't going to shine at all. And they're going to be set aside. Well, this is what the Bible says. This isn't my opinion. And this says in so many different passages 
I think I've said it before, I'll say it again, that the more that I study and the more mature I become as a pastor, the more that I'm convinced that my primary job is to prepare people for the, for the time yet to come. My job is to prepare you for eternity. My job is to prepare you for the millennial kingdom and to let you know that what you do right now matters. And if you do nothing now, it will affect you for a thousand years. This is serious stuff. This isn't just curiosity stuff. Well, well, this is good stuff. This is heavier stuff. This is life and death stuff. This is something that will carry on with you after this life. So with that preamble in mind, look with me in the book of Revelation chapter number 1. Revelation chapter 1, and notice with me in verse 1. Revelation Chapter 1 and verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bare record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Revelation chapter 1? The book of Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6. Notice the phrase, made us kings and priests unto God. Made us kings and priests unto God. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today and we study this millennial kingdom, we study what you have written down in your word to describe this thousand year reign of Christ and what our part of this time is to be. I'm asking that you would give us special wisdom, that you would give us special discernment. I'm asking, Lord, that you would give us special introspection. That we can look inside of ourselves and see where we're truly at. Not where we think we'd like to be at. Not where we pretend we'd try to be at. But that we would have a realistic view of where we are and our standing before you. And that we would make a decision. There's some people tonight that need to make a decision. That they're going to stop playing games. And they're going to surrender their life to follow after you truly, holy. And completely. Lord I'm asking that you would work in a special way tonight. That this message tonight. This meeting tonight. Would change eternity for someone. It would change the millennial kingdom for someone. Because this would be the night. That they decided to follow after Jesus. No turning back. 
no turning back. Again, I recognize my own limitations. There's nothing I can do but be a vessel for you. So the best I know how, I surrender myself to you and ask that you fill me with your precious spirit and that you would get your own work accomplished tonight through your precious word. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Revelation, chapter number one, we have the introduction to the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ is going to be revealed to all of the earth at the end of time. This is a book of revelation revealing who Jesus Christ is. And we understand that the next thing on God's calendar is the rapture. After the rapture is the tribulation. After the tribulation is the millennial kingdom. The thousand year reign of Christ. And I want to encourage you before we start that you can know for sure that you're going to the millennial kingdom. You can know for sure you're going to heaven. How do we know? Verse 5. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness... And the first begotten of the dead. That means he was the first one to rise from the dead and live forever. And the prince of the kings of the earth. He's the boss. Unto him that loved us. Jesus loved you. And he washed us from our sins in his own blood. That Jesus Christ who was God robed himself in flesh and dwelt on this earth. He lived and died. And then he died on the cross. To pay for your sins and mine. Because he loved you. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him. Should not perish. But have everlasting life. That in order to go to the millennial kingdom. You have to trust in Christ. And Christ alone. There's nothing else. There is no other God. No other spirit. No other animal. No other Wind, no other nature, no other Buddha, nobody that you could trust in and Christ at the same time. It must be Christ and Christ alone. It is only him that saves. It is him who has died for you. But then in verse number six, it gives an expression about two offices that are available in the millennial kingdom. Of what Christ has in mind for us to do. In the millennial kingdom. Notice in verse 6. And hath made unto us kings and priests. Now we've talked before about ruling. But you see this? It says kings and priests. Unto God his father. And to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know this isn't the only time that it mentions it. It mentions it quite a few times, that idea that we're kings and priests. That's what God has for us. May I show you just a couple? Notice with me in the book of Revelation chapter 5. There's a couple more scattered throughout scripture. We're just going to see just a couple passages in the book of Revelation on this. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 in verse number 10. It's dealing with the people who's up in heaven. And they're looking down preparing for the tribulation to begin. And notice what they are saying when the lamb is worthy enough to open up the lamp, uh, to open the book. Revelation 5 verse 10. And hath made unto us our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Here's that expression again that God has made us priests and kings. Notice with me in the book of Revelation chapter 20. The book of Revelation chapter 20 is the passage specifically dealing with the thousand year reign of Christ it talks about a thousand years a thousand years a thousand years and in the midst of this 
passage dealing with the millennial kingdom, the thousand years, notice what it says in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So once again, in fact, I just showed you three times. There's more. Three times in the book of Revelation I've showed you where it mentions that two offices, two positions that are open in the millennial kingdom that God desires for us to have is to be priest of God and of kings, rulers. Now, what does this mean? Well, first of all, I'd like to show you the priest of God. What does it mean that God wants us to be the priest of God in the millennial kingdom? What does this position entail? What is involved in it? Well, if you don't mind, this idea of priest has the idea of going in between. And as priest, all the saints in the millennial kingdom are going to worship. And so as priest, we are going to help direct worship. We are going to help intercede or go in between God and bring up the prayers and, and try to be an encouragement. And then we are to communicate the knowledge of God to those that do not have redeemed bodies. Now, remember that in the millennial kingdom, there's going to be a couple different sets of people. There's going to be people with redeemed bodies who cannot sin. Praise the Lord. Then you're going to have people who are born during the millennial kingdom. Those people are going to have to get saved just like you and I got saved. That means they're going to need someone to preach the word of God. They're going to need someone to go between and show them the word of God. And praise the Lord, they're going to be perfect. They're not going to mess up. They're not going to stutter. They're not going to forget verses. Praise the Lord. You're going to have that. You're going to be perfect to communicate the truth to people. And to be able to encourage them. And to trust in Christ themselves. And to teach them to grow in Christ. That's part of our job in the millennial kingdom. That God wants to put us to put into there. You know the Bible gives an Old Testament illustration. Notice with me in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 19. 2 Chronicles in chapter 19. In the book of 2 Chronicles what we have is Jehoshaphat the king has um, put an administration within his kingdom. Jehoshaphat's the king of Judah. And in order to make sure that his kingdom is a righteous kingdom, now we know it's not going to be perfect like the millennial kingdom, but it is going to be a righteous kingdom. What he does is he sets up judges and priests to help administrate his kingdom to make sure that it is righteous. So remember, as you're looking in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Then we come to first, uh, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles, chapter number 19. 2 Chronicles, chapter 19. And notice with me, starting at verse 4. 2 Chronicles, chapter 19, and verse 4. And Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again through the people to Beersheba, to Mount Ephraim, and brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers. And he set judges in the land throughout all the fenced cities of Judah, city by city, and said to 
to the judges, Take heed what ye do, for ye judge not for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in the judgment. Wherefore, now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it. For there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor with respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. Moreover, in Jerusalem did Jehoshaphat set the Levites, and of the priests, and of the chief of the fathers of Israel, for the judgment of the Lord, for controversies when they returned to Jerusalem. And he charged them, saying, Thus shall ye do in the fear of the Lord, faithfully and with a perfect heart. And what cause soever shall come to you of your brethren that dwell in their cities between blood and blood, between law and commandment, between statutes and judgments, ye shall even warn them, and they shall trespass not against the Lord, so that wrath come upon you and upon your brethren. This do, and ye shall not trespass. All right, so basically what it's saying is that the priest are the people who know the law. And what's going to happen is that if somebody has a conflict, they're going to go to the priest and say, what does the Bible say? How do we fix this argument? How do we fix this thing? Does that make sense? And so this is what Jehoshaphat did, is that he sent the priest who knew the Bible and scattered them out and said, these are the people you go to. So if you have a problem, you have a conflict, you have an issue, go to the priest, he'll open the Bible. And he'll judge or rule or discern according to the law. Does that make sense? This is part of what we're going to do. Is that we are going to use the Bible, God's word, to help people with the decisions they need to make. Now, if I could put an idea here. You cannot teach the law if you don't know the law. You can't teach the law if you don't know the law. Now, remember, this is one of the office's positions that's going to be in the millennial kingdom. You know what the qualification is to be the priest? To be faithful in the word now. Now. If you say, I'm not going to read my Bible, I don't care about the Bible. Why should God put you in that position in the millennial kingdom? You understand what you do now does matter. If you say, ah, the Bible's boring, I don't get much out of it, then you're not going to be able to judge according to the Bible. Now, we understand that in the millennial kingdom, things are going to work different with a mature, uh, with a perfect body, redeemed body and all that stuff. But what we do now will affect later. Does that make sense? I'm building a case here that, that's part of it. If you don't care about the Bible now, if it's not important for it now, if you're not hungry for it now, then God is watching, he's judging, he's going to go up there, and he's not going to put you in a position because you weren't found faithful with his word. Notice, if you don't mind, we go to the second concept. Not only the priest of God, but the Bible says that we are going to be kings of God. We're going to be rulers on this earth. Now, remember, we've already discussed part of this. We discussed that Jesus is going to be the head of the government. We explain that David is going to be the regent. He's like the second command. We talked about the 12 disciples. They're going to be specifically in charge of the 12 tribes of Israel. 
And then the ruling saints, we're going to rule over the cities dealing with the people in the millennial kingdom. Now, we've already talked quite a bit about this, that how do we become rulers? Well, it's dependent on our faithfulness to the Great Commission. And we've explained that and showed that in the Bible about soul winning and witnessing. That Jesus is the one that saves. We are to be used as instruments to influence and to bring them. Are you passing out tracts? Are you faithfully inviting? Are you telling people about Christ? Are you giving your testimony? Are you faithful to what God has given you to do? Well, if you're not faithful, he's not going to give you a position later on. That's, we've already discussed this. We're building up a case and we're just doing a little bit of a review right now. But let me show you something dealing with the idea that we're rulers. Turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it's dealing specifically with the idea that Christians are not supposed to uh, sue other Christians. It's a bad testimony that we don't need the world's court, a, the world's flesh to judge us, to judge between us. Because guess what? One day you're going to be a ruler. Why do you need to go to an outside source if God has already given you what you need to have discernment to make right decisions? Does that make sense? Once again, we use that off of the Bible. But let me show you what the Bible says here that is pretty fascinating. Notice with me in verse number 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge in the smallest matters? So this carries the idea that if two Christians get in a fight, instead of suing each other, couldn't they biblically sort it out? Because one day that's going to be your job is you're going to settle arguments. You're going to settle disputes. You're going to settle things. It might as well practice now. But notice with me in verse 3. Know ye not that we shall judge angels. How much more things shall pertain to this life. You understand that in the millennial kingdom... If you are found faithful and God has placed you in that position, you're going to be in a position where you're going to tell angels what to do. Isn't that amazing? Now, if you're not faithful now, why is God going to put you in that position later? It's based off of your faithfulness now. Are you faithful in the little things so God could trust you in the many things later on? We are going to be the ones... Now, angels are not going to have uh, disputes, but we are going to be the ones that are directing traffic. Imagine that. There's a lot to that. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? To think about that. That's the position. And if we're not willing to be faithful in God's word now, remember, you can't judge according to God's word if you don't know God's word. Are you faithful to God's word? That's kind of the idea here. Are you faithful? Do you know it? Now, we've talked about faithfulness to soul winning, faithfulness to the Great Commission. But here, just building up a principle, do you even love God's word? Do you know what it says? Do you study it? Are you thrilled with it? Can you judge even now, discern? Can you discern from the Bible where someone's at? You should be able to if you're a mature Christian. And it's good practice because that's what you're going to do for a thousand years if you're placed in that position. Which brings me to the concept I want to hit you now. Is that not 
everyone who is saved will reign. Not everyone who is saved will judge. Not everyone who is saved will have this position. We've already hit this idea before. But the Bible speaks about this over and over and over. May I show you yet another passage that deals with this same idea. Turn with me to the gospel record of Luke chapter 9. The gospel record of Luke chapter number 9. And this is where we're going to park at. The gospel record of Luke chapter number 9. That we're covering the idea that there are two positions specifically named in the Bible that God wants us to have if we're found faithful. Now to get to the millennial kingdom all it requires is salvation. You, as long as you're saved you're going. Praise the Lord. But not everyone who is going will be serving, will be reigning. You understand that today we have a Christian culture. That people are just glad to be Christian. They call themselves Christian. We show up to church. We may listen to Christian music or what people call Christian music. That Christianity is a culture. But just because someone is in that culture doesn't mean they're following the Lord. It doesn't mean they're following after him. The pursuit of Jesus Christ. There are many people who call themselves Christians who are not following after him. May I show you that here? In the gospel record of Luke chapter 9. And notice with me towards the end of that chapter. chapter uh, verse number 57. Verse number 57. And what we have here is a little summary version of three individuals that are specific individuals that Jesus dealt with over the time. But they're also representative of people that are asked to serve or follow after Christ now. Notice with me in verse number 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee wheresoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes. And birds of the air have nest. But the son of man hath not anywhere to lay his head. Here in this first man. This first man came up and said Jesus I'll follow you anywhere. He got really excited. He, did, he didn't think things out. But he was very incited. He was impulsive. Oh yes Jesus I'll follow you wherever you go. And it happens from time to time over the years. People get excited after a message. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to follow after Christ. This is great. That's what I need to do. And I'm glad they're excited. But what happens is that Jesus is very honest. He, as this man comes up and he's really excited. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. This is the greatest thing ever. Jesus lets the air out of the tires. Notice in verse 58. And Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not anywhere to lay his head. You know what he told this man? Things are going to be hard. I know you're excited. That's great. But I'm letting you know ahead of time that following after me is going to be hard. He said, foxes have somewhere to sleep. Birds have somewhere to sleep. But I don't have a home. I don't have anywhere to lay my head. Things are going to be tough. And you know what happens? There's no more mention of this guy anymore. You know what happened? He disappeared. You know, there are some people that say, oh, this is great. I'm going to follow after Christ. And then they realize that it's actually hard to follow after Christ. And they stop. 
Because it takes time. It takes work. It takes effort. There is no easy way to follow Christ. If you haven't ever written that down, write that down. There is no easy way to follow Christ. You know why people don't serve God now? Because it's hard. It requires faithfulness. It requires consistency. It requires sometimes going against our flesh. It requires doing things that we don't feel like doing. And doing it anyways. You know, as long as people serve out of convenience, they'll never grow. Jesus has this man's really excited. Oh, preacher, Jesus, I want to follow you. This is what I need to do. It's going to be hard or they find out it's hard and they're done. No more serving. No more going. And this is one reason why not everyone will rule in the millennial kingdom. They like to call themselves Christians, but they don't like to endure Hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. As the Bible says in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You understand? In order to follow after him. In order to be his disciple. In order to uh, pursue after him. To found yourself faithful. It is going to be hard. There is no easy way to serve Christ. That means you have to wake up. Means you have to show up. You have to read your Bible. You have to be faithful to witness. You have to be willing to work even if you don't feel like it. It's hard. And so this man gets excited. He's impulsive. He's reactive. And then he goes away. That's person one. Let's go to a second person who is a real person but is also a type. Notice this in verse number 59. And he, Jesus, said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. All right, so here comes another guy. And Jesus says, hey, you follow after me. So Jesus invites him, points about you follow me. And the guy says, no, no, no. Suffer me first to go bury the dead. And then Jesus says, no. You say, is Jesus being mean? Well, the problem was, is the guy's father wasn't dead yet. Back there in the custom, people would stick around their parents' place until their parents died, and then they would take the responsibility of burying them. So dad could live 20, 30 more years. And so the guy is saying, yeah, I'll follow you, but not now. I'll follow you, but first... Notice this, but first me, me first. You know what that is? That's the death of discipleship. When you are looking out for you first, you're not following after Christ. And so this guy here, he didn't really want to go. (laughs) You know, as long as you have an excuse, you're not going to follow after Christ. I'll start following after Christ when my kids get out of kindergarten. I'll start... Passing out tracts and witnessing to people when they get out of the house. When my job gets better. When my education gets better. When I finish this. When I go ahead and get this house. When I get this next thing. As long as people have excuses, it keeps them from serving after Christ. So here's a second guy here. Jesus says, you follow me. 
let me first. Me first. Let me take care of my stuff. And you know what he's saying? I'll give you my leftovers. Jesus doesn't want your leftovers. It has to be him first. And as long as it's not him first, as long as it's you first, you are not following after God. And you're going to miss out on what God has for you. Which comes to a third guy. So the first guy, he's impulsive, he's excited, and then he finds out it's hard, he's not going to go. The second one said, yes, but me first, me first, me first. Then we come to this next one, verse number 60. Uh, 61, rather, 61. Another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at, uh, at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit, notice this, for the kingdom of God. This guy's not fit. What's going on here? This guy says, I'll follow you, but, there's that word, I'll follow you, but let me go take care of this and let me go take care of this. You see, the problem with this guy, and Jesus pointed it out in the next verse, the problem with this guy is that he wanted both lives. I want to follow after Christ, but I also want to hang out with my folks. I want to, I want to follow Christ, but I also want to seek after my career. I want to follow Christ first, but I want this taken care of. And what's happening is that you have this idea that he wants two worlds. He's not opposed to following Christ. But he won't make the choice to completely follow after Christ. He's half-heartedly following after Christ. He's insincere about it. That I'll follow you, but... And so he wants to have both worlds. And let me tell you, you cannot be completely sold out if you're riding the fence. By the way, this is where that term lukewarm comes into play. The idea of lukewarm is the idea <clears throat> that he doesn't make a complete choice. The Bible talks about in the book of Revelation, as it's rebuking one of the churches, the church of Lady Osea, that I'd rather you warm or hot, but you're lukewarm, and I spew you out of my mouth. It makes God sick when people say, I'm not opposed to following after Christ, but I'm but you've never made a decision to follow after him. You understand, no one follows after God by accident. It is a purposeful, willful choice. You must choose to follow after Christ and mean it. It means you set aside things. I'm not saying you quit your job. I'm saying your heart's completely devoted to Christ. What would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? My life is for you. My life is yours. It is not my life anymore. The least I could do is give it to you. And you live my life to be pleasing. You live my life to reach other people. I'm an instrument. I'm dead. I'm completely sold out to you. You see, there's many people that says, I'm not opposed to following after Christ. But they don't choose to follow after Christ. They never made this decision I am going to follow after him. So notice what Jesus says. Now this is, this is important stuff. Notice this last verse, verse 62. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is 
fit for the kingdom of God. So here's the illustration. It's using a farming tool. And so a plow would be an instrument that you would hold with both hands. Then you would have an oxen before you. And as the oxen would move, you would have the furrow that would go into the ground. And it would go ahead and plow that ground. Now, as you're plowing, you have the responsibility of keeping your eyes ahead. To make sure that you have straight rows. Because if you're farming, you want straight rows. You can't like have them curve all over the place because then you don't use the land efficiently. And so the idea is, is that any man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. When you look back, you, you're not focusing on what you're doing and you get distracted. You're not going to be obedient to what God's given you to. And Jesus said, you are not fit. Not fit for the kingdom of God. Now we've already seen many passages where you make the millennial kingdom, praise the Lord, but you're not fit to be where I want you to be. You're not fit for a position. You're not fit to help me rule. You're not fit for what I'd have you to do. You're not fit. Why? Because they did not make a choice. I am going to follow after Christ. And understand what that means. That it means going through hard times. It means that you have to endure hardness. It means to the idea that you're going to set aside things in your life. For the purpose that you could follow after him. And get rid of the distractions. And that he is what you're following after. He is the service. You see there are some people. Unfortunately. That are going to be set aside. What a horrible thing for a thousand years. To realize I could have been used, but I wasn't faithful. I didn't meet the requirements. I made the millennial kingdom, but God can't trust me. God can't trust me. What a horrible statement to be said. God can't trust me. So when we come to this idea of the millennial kingdom, we're coming to an important principle that's repeated over and over and over. The idea is what you do now will affect you for a thousand years. You only have one life to live. You have one chance to get it right. Now you say, well, I've messed up in my life previously. The good thing is, is the Christian life is a series of new beginnings. You start from where you are and move forward. You can't do anything about yesterday. You can only do something about today. And the first step for some of you is that you just need to make a decision. I'm going to follow after Christ. And understand what that means. It's not just saying words. It means to put it in action. That you're going to follow after him. Maybe there's something in your life. That's keeping you from making that decision. Maybe you need to say. Lord help me. To be able to die to this. Help me to die to my ambitions. My goals. My desires. Set that aside. If that's what I have to do. So there's no distractions from me following after you. Doing what you've given me to do. You understand tonight. May be a night. That will affect you for a thousand years. What will you decide to do? Remember. Making no decision is already making the wrong decision. It's either a yes or a no. There may be some people who have already decided to follow after Christ. Praise the Lord for that. Keep that decision. Keep following after him. But tonight, if there's someone that has never made the decision, you've never specifically went to God and said, God, I'm choosing to follow after you. Tonight, I invite you to go to the Lord 
and talk to him about this matter. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.